Welcome to Live Let Thrive, a podcast about the Airbnb life, the share economy, and everything in between. Here are your hosts, Micah and Steve. Hello, hello, hello. And welcome back to another exciting episode of Live Let Thrive. What is up, Micah Man? Man, what ain't up? Uh, Killing, man. (laughs) And I've been... Quarantine and in the house the last three days, man. I'm getting kind of, kind of sick of being in the house, man. So, so cabin know, fever. Yeah, due to the COVID nineteen, they got everybody working from home, all that good stuff, man. But, you uh, know, working from home sounds good on paper, but it's <laughs> you need that change of scenery every now and then. For real. Thing is, but, you can't even go to a Starbucks now, so yeah. that sucks. What episode we on? <laughs> I believe this is episode one nineteen. Episode 19. Live, Let, Thrive, your favorite Airbnb, VRBO, share, economy, short-term, long-term rentals, real estate podcasts, and um, and we're here to cover the apocalypse as well. Yeah, we have a special guest on. We have Alvin on, and he is uh, gives his tips and tricks on how he's surviving this madness. How you doing, Alvin? Hey, Alvin. Good, good. I'm well. I'm well. Thank you. All right. So, so what do we do to, to save our asses? <laughs> well, besides uh, besides total isolation and, and hiding, uh, <laughs> look, I, I I think we've all sort of seen some of the same challenges over the last uh, couple of days. And one one of the things I thought was was unique, and uh, and having so many rentals across the country, I saw some trends that started to establish uh, emerge immediately. Where in in some locales where we had folks that were booked for events and that were flying in, they were canceling at about a hundred percent rate. Ooh. And on the other hand, you had guests that were traveling for leisure and driving, they were staying put. That happened for about three or four days. I think the earthquake came in when the CDC announced the the 10 person or so uh, limit. And then we started to see uh, more restrictions on travel, more states implement uh, restrictions. And then we started to see a lot more of those uh, leisure uh, stays uh, start to die off. The only places that have sort of survived the, the rush have been uh, places where we have traditional uh, vacation hubs, uh, the coast of Florida, St. Pete, Tampa, Panama City Beach. You've seen little, uh, little impacts there, uh, but by and large, folks are still coming to, to some of those prime destinations. And, and those that are out in, in areas like Somerville, South Carolina, that have wedding-type events planned, private events, uh, they've been staying. So we've had to uh, uh, creatively figure out ways in, in these other markets to to uh, to fill gaps. So one of the unique things that I think we've, we, we've done it before but started to look at really is a, a local marketing pitch uh, just by creating uh, flyers and then uh, locally marketing them through Facebook and Instagram specifically to, to host a small events, uh, understanding uh, where the, the fears are and, and the numbers sort of lie. So, so targeting 
those numbers and populations of folks to, to host uh, small events, uh, particularly like sleepovers for kids, uh, sleepovers for uh, a girl's night out, and then small dinner parties, baby showers, things that, that can be manageable by, uh, by folks. So we've seen some response uh, in markets with some of the local marketing that's helped absorb some of the, some of the impacts from, from COVID on, uh, on the markets. So how many rentals, oh, sorry, real quick. How many rentals do you have? So right now there are uh, somewhere around 40 or so that are, that are currently in inventory. All across the country. uh, Right. And that's all I was going to ask you. So you have 40 units and where are your units all across? Are you only domestic or? Yes, but but from from Washington State to to Hawaii down to the coast of Florida up up to New York City uh, and and you know several places in between. So uh, they're are, they're quite spread. And are you buying or are you arbitraging? It's all arbitrage, and, and that's part of the the challenge here, right? And 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 one of the things we do uh, at your space, all of our rental agreements are at a minimum thirty six months. Mm and most go out to five years, which then allows us to, to bring investors in to, to a turnkey effort. So you, you can see uh, where some of the risks that we take on, and then you have uh, an effort or a situation like this that comes up, and, and you're in a long-term lease agreement with, with almost no end in sight. Uh, mm. Question about those long-term lease agreements. So, okay, a pandemic, we probably didn't expect that, right? You know, we were real. We didn't expect no pandemic. But do you think, well, do you have anything in your leases to where you can cut them short? Or is it just, hey, you got to ride out this 36 months? No, so not, not in each lease agreement. They, they all vary. And, and some of it depends on the relationship with, with the owner. Uh, but the relationships are all there to where, uh, we've seen impacts in March, obviously going into to April, to where uh, I'm I'm not at a point yet that I want to have that discussion with with homeowners. But uh, the relationships there that if we need to to shift tactics and and forego rent and and just make it up on the back end with with increased prices, uh, those those should be uh, should be pretty easy to to facilitate. But but one one of the other things that that's baked into these agreements are uh, property management, right? And that's done uh, specifically for times like this. So it gives me full-on control of, of the property to, to list it as a long-term rental, which, which I've done for at least two properties. Uh, they are up on, on Zillow uh, as we speak to, to, uh, to market as a, as a long-term rental, just uh, given the market that it's in and, and, and what, we've, uh, what we've seen. So now that, that that's super smart, and wh- how, what has been your um, the interest in long term rental uh, people wanting to rent long term right now in this in this um, crazy time? Well, with, with these right now, uh, they're furnished and and they're being offered up. Uh, so we we haven't uh, uh, seen much activity, uh, some interest. Uh, we'll we'll see after after the first week or so how how this all plays out, but. The, the secondary strategy then becomes to to offer it uh, unfurnished at a lower price, and then it'll sit on the market with with every other uh, rental that's on the market. Now, just just um, just you know, crap always comes to my head, as you know. But um, just 
me as if I was in that situation to rent a house, mm-hmm. knowing it's furnished and that it's um well I don't know if they know that it, well it's been used before or whatever. My I guess my biggest fear would be wow I mean what if the the furniture is all contaminated and stuff? I want to bring my own stuff. It would only it would almost make sense as a landlord as an owner to rent it out unfurnished for the same price. I don't I don't know. I mean I don't know. It, it just it just seems like it would be there'd be more people paranoid about using someone else's furniture, bed, pillows, all that stuff. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I certainly agree with you there. I think uh, for, for us, giving it some time to, to rent uh, furnish to any takers uh, is, is a given because it, it'll save us cost on, on having to store it or sell it in that case. So, so if it doesn't work, then, then the exit plan is to store it or sell it. And, and then relist it as, as an unfurnished rental. Mm, Tough situation, man. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so you haven't had the conversation, the hard conversations with the owners yet. No, not, not yet. And, you know, I I think part of this too is, uh, most of our places, they, they operate by and large in the sharing economy. And, and a lot of them uh, have multiple streams of income. Uh, which has helped in some capacity. So whether it's uh, other shared economy services, uh, chef services, grocery services, mobile massage services, vehicle services, Futuro, that are uh, that are helping generate some additional income to to absorb some of the the impacts uh, that that we're seeing. Uh, it, it's allowed us to to stay afloat in in most of the markets. So hold on, you're you're offering. At each Airbnb rental, you're offering other share economy add-ons to each each rental? Oh, absolutely. And I, I think that's one of the more unique aspects of, of what we're doing here at, at Your Space uh, is we, we look at this as we, we are operating Airbnb within the confines of, of the sharing economy. Uh, and, and all that simply means is that uh, Airbnb becomes the center of gravity. However, all the other shared economy services that exist, we, we bring those services into uh, Airbnb to enhance the guest experience, except in cases like uh, PeerSpace, which is sort of a Airbnb for, for events. Uh, with PeerSpace, that allows us to, to do each property at a minimum, it's duly listed and set up to, to host not only guests, uh, but also to to host events through through peer space. So so whether it's a small team engagement, or or baby shower, or a um, a photo shoot from a local photographer, they they all serve in in a dual a multi purpose capacity to to uh, to bring services in from from both those platforms. Now an idea I know I just come up with crazy stuff, but that just crossed my mind is um, if you're not having, if you're having a lot of trouble rinsing them out, you know, long term or short term, um, the way things are getting, uh, would you, did you even, did you even consider to say it's a promoted, Hey, this is a, a beautiful home to rent to self quarantine. Does that even cross <laughs> your mind? Because you can't, you're not going to, the parent, your family ain't going to want you around. If you, you think you got that stuff, get get the hell out of here. And where are you going to go to a hotel? They don't want you either. Go to a place where they can self quarantine. Hey, that'll buy that'll buy you a month right there. I don't know. It's it's happening in, in real time. So so two cases 
uh, a couple of days ago, we we rebranded one of the DC listings uh, to COVID-19 free. Uh, and it immediately it took hits from folks that were looking to, to self-quarantine or they had family members that had not been diagnosed, but they thought they may need it, they, they may have needed to, to get away. And they responded to essentially to the ad with changing the listing title there. And, nice. and here in, in Washington State, uh, I think it was either in Olympia or, or Lacey, just today uh, took in uh, a three-month reservation for the, the same purpose, right? It, it was a travel nurse who uh, was going to, to work in an environment in the area. As you know, it's, it's, it's been pretty hot in the Seattle area, uh, but she did not want to potentially expose her mom and her kid. So they booked a place for three months just to isolate uh, her from from her mom and her kids while she uh, was she was working. Okay, so one, you're in Washington State. We have several places there. Oh, in is Olympia that what... and Lacey area. Oh, you are you based out of there? Or? No, no, I'm down in Columbus, Georgia. Oh, okay, okay. I was like, oh, that's my home state, Washington State. So, <laughs> okay. I had a couple of things. So, when you said you were doing uh, COVID-19 free and uh, you start getting the hits. <laughs> See, this is my thing about doing that because I was thinking about that too, but then I heard, I was like, ah, I don't know. So, when you start getting the hits, how are you verifying that they're COVID-19? You know, because somebody might be like, oh, man, I'm self-quarantining. I'm just trying to get a free spot. How are you? Well, you, you can't, right? And it, it, this goes back to my, my guiding philosophy is like, you, you've got to operate one as if you're, you're doing 50 and you just don't have the capacity to, to chase down 50 people that want a COVID free place, but they, they may have other intentions, Okay. right? So, so you can uh, disinfect uh, the place after they, they're gone uh, and, and just operate business as normal. But Go ahead. All right. And then the flip side, <laughs> after you host the COVID-19 quarantiners, how do you, do you not, do you disclose that information to the next guest? Like, cause I don't know if you just be like, yeah, man, the people just left, they had COVID-19 or they were quarantining, <laughs> you know, that, that could take a hit on the business. <laughs> you know, so how, how is that working out for you? Yeah. So unless I, I saw a positive test and, and they disclosed that to me, anything else at that point is just a rumor. Uh, so, so I won't be in a business of spreading rumors. So, so what I don't know, anyone else doesn't know. No, no, real. Oh, sorry. Uh, real quickly, you, when you say COVID nineteen free place, does it mean that you're rent, you're renting it out for free, or <laughs> no, it just doesn't have COVID nineteen? It doesn't have COVID nineteen. Oh, okay, so so yeah, I don't see how. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so, clean. It's disinfected. So even if know, that person and, comes in, you don't care if they have it or not. It's gonna. <laughs> They're going to pay money and they're going to rent it for however many months, right? Yeah, you know, I, I, like I said, unless they show me a test, uh, the, the conversation that's 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 uh, that's that's noted is there. Man, we uh, I mean, we laugh at this stuff, but like, I mean, if you go all the way back to the the AIDS ex- epidemic, people didn't want to rent places to someone that had AIDS. They didn't want to hire someone that had it. I mean, it was just like. It's kind of eerily similar to that. I mean, I mean, we shut down, shutting down everything. Although, That's crazy. Although, man, AIDS, you got to do a little few uh, 
extracurricular activities passed that around. <laughs> what? Right, right. Well, at the, at the time, we didn't know. We thought mosquitoes, you know, a mosquito yeah. bit somebody and they bit you. We thought, I mean, we thought they'd sneeze on you. And you I mean, it was, no, it was serious. It yeah, was like no. that. Of course, now we know it ain't, it ain't like that. But, I mean, just like this COVID-19, <laughs> they don't know what's passing it, what's spreading it. I mean, they kind of do, kind of don't. So it's just, yeah, I mean, that's nothing wrong with these questions. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm just wondering, man, like how to, okay. So, and, and I noticed people are doing the whole, yeah, we COVID-19 free and also, because I thought you were saying you rented it out to someone for free saying they were, you know. Okay, so, okay, so you're saying. Right, let, let, me, let me just clear something up too, right? So, so, so not in every market uh, we've done this. And, and, and you notice I said D.C., uh, and, and then in, in the uh, Olympia area. So, so those markets uh, are prime markets for, uh, for travelers, whether it's travel nurses or, or just either local folks or travelers that are still coming in to, to conduct business. So you still have enough throughput not to scare people that are traveling uh, anyway. But, but it won't happen in a small town like, like Enterprise, Alabama. Yeah. Uh, we, we would just scare everybody away. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. And so I've I, I been, mean, someone actually hit me up today about putting extra saying you've cleaned and disinfected uh, severe or expeditiously, or, you know, you've done a deep clean on the place. Are you putting that in your listings as well to attract more travelers? No, uh, you know, I, I think at this point, most folks that are booking within the last couple of days, they've asked the question, Hey, with all the COVID stuff going around, is your place being cleaned with CDC approved chemicals? I've gotten that several times. So, so most folks, they're aware enough that uh, they're, they're taking the necessary precautions and asking the questions to, to ensure that the, uh, the places are, are sanitary. Hold on, so there's CDC approved chemicals? <laughs> Believe it or not, they are. Wow, I need to look into those. I just thought some good old Lysol do the trick. <laughs> they got their own website, man. There's people, uh, cleaning companies that are pivoting and doing um, um, COVID-19 cleanings, man. Making there you go. Money. I'm going to have to look it's into It's happening. Cap- capitalism at its best, right? Yep. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, cap- capitalism is how you cure problems for it, in my eyes. You know what I'm saying? I mean, there's, there's a buck to be made. There's some motivation, right? There's Government. Like the guy you know, who had 18 or, or what, what, what do you have, a uh, hundred and some odd bottles of hand sanitizer or something crazy like that. Oh, see, and then he's getting in trouble for that, right? He's getting in trouble yeah. for reselling that for, they call it, what is it called? Gouging, price gouging. Price gouging. See, yeah. no, no, no. It's, so I, I got price gouged this past weekend, a couple of weeks ago when I went to Houston. So, man, I bought a little bitty thing of hand sanitizer. Man, that costs $8. And the lady, <laughs> the, person, the person selling it, she didn't know it was illegal because she just works there, you know what well, I mean? That's she within like, the realm. She was like, no. Gouging would have been like $20, I think. No, that's price gouging. And she was like, it's usually, she, because she told Mahogany, oh, it's usually $2.99. I'm like, dang, we're printing seven bucks. And I'm like, but which is still by legal standards, that's price gouging. So I'm like, but she didn't know no better, you know, because Texas is hard on that. But I mean, I don't know. I don't know how that. No, no, okay. Play counter, we'll play the devil's advocate on this one. If you allowed, someone the free market to take over i mean someone's gonna find a way to drive a big old rig of 18 wheeler full of stuff to get to a dangerous spot because they know they're gonna make a lot of money right and mm-hmm. so that you know that invites um 
ingenuity and problem solving, but no, it's yeah, but they call it price gouging, whatever. Yeah, and you just explain that to the law. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> you have to take the chances. To- I know, yeah, the law, yeah, but if the law didn't exist, I'm just saying. Oh yeah, people, yeah. People would find out. Oh, I can make money doing this. I'm gonna do this. I'm. I risk my own health, but I can make some good money. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. Okay. Um. Do you want? <laughs> you want to go into the backstory a little bit? Because we just started off on the on the COVID stuff, and so we want. I want to know your backstory, Alvin. How you got into uh, short term rentals, yeah. and how you built your business, and how successful the business was before all this. Okay. Yeah. So started out in uh, a couple of years ago. It's really just been a little, little bit over two years. This this uh, this this journey, but uh, started out. In, in New York City with a uh, r- real estate agent, a good friend who told me that she was doing Airbnb and uh, you know, she asked if, if I wanted to, to get into an investment. Uh, she sent some numbers over. Uh, it, it all made sense to me. And, and about 48 hours later, I was wiring her a, a bunch of money to, to get set up in, in New York City and uh one turned into three within 90 days and then just started going south down dc charleston savannah all all down uh, the east coast and and then just started bringing in uh partners to to these efforts and and uh and then it just really built out uh from there but one one of the uh one of the interesting aspects of of all of this has been uh, the ability to to provide first time investors with with turnkey Airbnbs, and that's sort of derived out of taking the long term lease agreements and the, or really the five year lease agreements, and and then offering investors uh, a turnkey Airbnb for three of those five years uh, with uh, a 10 to 15 percent uh, of each booking uh, back into the company to to essentially uh, play co-host uh, and, and manage because uh, that's our agreement between uh, the company and and the homeowners uh, so that that's been a pretty unique turn in into everything and being able to to get folks in and help realize uh, you know some of what they've wanted to do in some capacity and just didn't have either the know-how or, uh, or, or they, they had fear to, to, to cross the, cross the line of departure to, uh, to get started. But, uh, you know, just over about 50 or so investments, uh, whether it's, it's properties that we've taken on consultation efforts or, or investments that we've, we've sourced for, for investors or, bringing investors into a turnkey effort uh, in some capacity. And just under two years, you know, across a lot of markets has really brought in uh, a wealth of, of knowledge and experience uh, to, to what we've done. And as I talked about earlier, the, the look into the shared economy, you know, as far as I'm concerned, I, I, think, I think it's a look into the future with respect to to Airbnb and you see now Airbnb experiences that are popping up and understanding all the services that exist in the sharing economy, the story I often tell that surrounds that is you've got a guest 
uh, well, you, you've got a home uh, and it's it's 6 a.m. and you're you're uh, you've got a busy day out ahead of you. Uh, you're you're gonna uh, find a local dog sitter through Rover to uh, to take the dog, and then you've got a neighbor coming over uh, to look at some some attic space in your house that you've advertised on Neighbor.com. And then at eight o'clock, you're taking in uh, a reservation you made through PeerSpace, where you took on through PeerSpace, where you've got a local company come in and do a small team engagement. They've asked for catering. You set that up through uh, Feastly or one of the chef, pro chef providing sites. And you take that from 8 to 12. Uh, you, you get the place clean. 2 o'clock, you've got guests flying in from Paris. You send an Uber out to them. Uh, you pick them up, get them back to their Airbnb where you've got a Toro uh, vehicle waiting for them that they also book uh, through you. And then that evening, you've got uh, – a private massage setup form that you've ordered uh, through Zill uh, that that will provide them with uh, a couple's massage before they get out in, into the evening and location dependent. In this case, you're near the coast, so you book uh, a, a private boat ride through Boat Setter for for that couple. They're going to go out and spend the evening out on the water and come back uh, to the uh, to the house before relaxing for the night. And uh, when you think about that, uh, th that's all doable, uh, not only in a day, but, but, but in, a, in a home. So, so then in theory, what you do is you, you take a home and you turn it into a, a multifunctional space uh, that, that then it's operating in the confines of the sharing economy and understanding all the resources that exist in the sharing economy, you're then leveraging the sharing economy to to provide guests uh, with a, a very unique experience, and then, in in my opinion, then you get yourself out of price wars uh, that that eventually happen when markets saturate, because Airbnb number one uh, becomes no different than Airbnb uh, nine hundred and ninety nine. Uh, they all have uh, something to offer, but nothing unique to offer that that gets them out of uh, out of these price wars that we're starting to see in some of the uh, the larger markets, but but that's where I think you you enter into the sharing economy. And as we've done with some investors, uh, even there in in the, in the Houston market, taking a look at uh, their investments and where they sit in the market, doing some gap analysis, and then immediately just adding just something as simple as peer space to to dual purpose their space has provided some income relief. Uh, it's created an additional stream of income, provided some income relief, and now we've changed the conversation from uh, needing a 70% uh, occupancy rate to to a 40% occupancy rate because we we are taking on income from from other sources that's <clears throat> that's contributing to to their profit margins and and helping grow their business uh, as a whole. What exactly is Peer Space? So think, think of Airbnb, but for events, uh, okay. it is a peer-to-peer -peer market share uh, platform that allows you to, to list a home uh, and, and host events from the home. Uh, so in our case, uh, I'll give an example of the, the place in Somerville. Uh, you have a section or part of the house that's set up that, that can host small team engagements. Uh, it's got a meeting table, 
chairs a whole nine yards and then you've got one one of the rooms that that's set up for photographers to come in and rent a studio space for uh, by by the hour but but when you think about that dynamic uh you you then start to change the the realm of the conversation in terms of what the what the property's intent not not use uses for but uh, the, the type of income, outsized income it can bring in once you start and uh, bringing in a lot of those shared economy services into the home. Man, you're it's, a true share economist. This yeah. Is it, this is deep. That's, it's like owning a whole hotel and spa, but you have zero staff. You outsource everything. It's beautiful. Right. So in all those extra services, how much of a percentage on top do you charge them so then it makes it worth your worth your while to even have those services? It it depends. So so like the grocery service, if if somebody's coming in, I left that out of the story there, but but they order groceries and we we fetch them through Instacart. Uh we, we just do a small five dollar upcharge on on grabbing the groceries. But but other things like Feastly, that the chef's gonna charge uh, a percentage of, of the price and then we get a small percentage for hosting and having everything on, on site for, for the chef that's providing the, uh, the service. What was this called, Feastly? Feastly, F-E-A-S-T-L-Y. Wow, man, I'm learning some more stuff about Share Economy. I never heard of Feastly, okay. <laughs> okay. I have a whole rundown of these on the show notes. For real? And, um, okay. Well, how is your, um, cause you said you, you turned it into like a turnkey experience, which is really cool. I never heard, I haven't heard of that yet. And, um, uh, but how are your, um, I guess your turnkey host handling all this? Well, because, because we're essentially a co-managing, uh, we, we sort of taken lead in, in, uh, remarketing or reletting uh, most of the places and and it's all market dependent. Some markets are are doing better in terms of uh, bringing in travel nurses or marketing to that demographic. Some are doing better with just local marketing efforts. And some, as I alluded to earlier, we've got a couple that uh, we've relisted as as furnished long term rentals. So so they're they're hanging in there. Uh, no no panicked phone calls yet from them. All the the emails and the messages messages have came in, and it's really just hey, you know, we're bleeding here. What you know, what what are we going to do uh, with respect to you know uh, getting some some income back into into the properties and not to just just bleed bleed them through. But but another key point in in all of this, uh, and I've, I've sort of discussed it in 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 one form or another, but but the the importance, and I, I did a, a live uh, Zoom call about two weeks ago on pricing, and I was trying to help hosts understand the, the importance of pricing. And then two weeks, you fast forward two weeks later, and we have COVID nineteen, and and what that brought to bear was that entire discussion was all based on hosts understanding uh, how to price for efficiency because. One of the things that we we've we've come to understand is that uh, a a pricing software and and just looking on Airbnb to see where others are priced around you, or, or using AirDNA to to, to get uh, average market prices, all are forms of aggregated market data. And 
And what happens is, yes, uh, you're in the right neighborhood. Uh, then, you know, it, it gets you on the right street in some cases, but it never gets you to the right house, right? And, and that's because every host in every place has a different cost to operate their unit every day. So, so the theory behind that is there's no way possible that a pricing tool or software that gives you aggregated market data can help you understand what it costs to run your business, then that means you can't be priced correctly if, if you're solely relying on aggregated market data. And that was sort of the crux of, of the pricing discussion to, to help hosts understand how do you figure out your monthly operational costs after your pass-through expenses uh, are taken out and then dividing that by 30 and getting your, your daily uh, operating costs, which then, if you're using a pricing tool, becomes your minimum price, meaning if you are priced at that rate for 30 days, that's your break-even rate. That's your no-crap minimum rate. Mm -hmm. And then you figure out your base rate, that becomes a business discussion, right? Because now you've got to have the conversation and say, hey, what's our targeted profit margins here? Is it, is it 30%, 40%? And what's our target occupancy rate? And then once the math is done on that, that becomes your base rate. And then between those two numbers, now you can compare that to what uh, the pricing software and AirDNA and Airbnb and everybody else around you, where they're priced at. But the point becomes, that, and this, this all drives towards uh, a business discussion, but the point becomes, in a time like this, you know exactly where your price point is. So for every cancellation that you get, you should have dropped your rates down to your min rate. And depending upon when those cancellations were for, were, uh, were taken on, for instance, we, this, this, whole, this whole thing came out about mid-March. So some people had some income coming in in March, which means if they had a profit margin set, and let's just say they were at 30% profit margin leading up to the COVID uh, thing. Now, all they had to do was price to, to defend and really keep the profits that they've gained by just dropping their prices to their min rate. So in theory, if they were booked out 15 days and then they priced uh, at their min rate for the remainder of the month and, and got booked, then they protected uh, the profits that they made uh, prior to the, the 15th of, of the month. Uh, but that, that, that's why that becomes such an important part of, uh, of what we do and, and understanding uh, pricing, but not only be because you should understand your numbers, but, but from a business standpoint, right, we, we want to have the discussion with folks to say that if you're priced at $325 on, on the 4th of July, uh, what does that mean from a profit margin standpoint? So, so let's just say in theory that 325, you're priced at a 225% profit margin, meaning you made $225 for that day. What does that mean from a business standpoint to the rest of your month and, and, and allowing you to not only uh, price lower, but shift your strategy? And let's just say you book out 15 days of that month but you've got one day that you hit a 235% profit margin. 
someone may look at your listing in a prime location and wonder why you're priced at $89 a month, a night. And that's your min rate. But the reality of it is, is if, you, if you've attained, let's just say, uh, uh, somewhere in the middle of 235, uh, 150 on, on your profit margins for the first 15 days, now you play defense, right? You, you wanna protect your profit margins and then the way you do that is you can price below market value to your min rate, protect your profits, and then, and then you're driving on. Right, so this becomes a pricing discussion much more than it than anything else, and that's why it's so important, uh, you know, for hosts to understand their numbers, so so they can play defense and offense, and then the discussion that doesn't become about pricing, it becomes about uh, profit margins, and then that that then helps you from a business standpoint look at down the line if if your target profit margins are 40%, then what does that look like from an income standpoint, six months down the line, and then a year down the line, when you're looking to grow a business uh, in, in a rental arbitrage model, right? You start having a different discussion versus somebody that just uh, wants to have an Airbnb just to, to post on Facebook, right? That's, that's pretty fascinating, man. Cause like, um, I, I, I never thought of it like that. You know, when I was Airbnb and I was just like, okay, Hey, I got a big day. That's cool. I didn't, I didn't adjust my prices to, to try to catch more data. That is just a bonus, but you're looking at it all <laughs> science scientifically. Right. And, um, and, and most people, 99, I don't know, 90% of all uh, hosts out there will probably just put it on um, price labs or put it on beyond pricing and set it, forget it. Right. That's it. All right. But you're talking about actively you know, playing, <laughs> playing deep offense and defense like like when a football team goes up by like 30 points they're going to start putting it into prevent defense a little defense, bit you know you <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's 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 fascinating man i love that yeah and that's that's sort of the catch uh and, and you know again i i'd come back all day to this COVID 19 thing and and as i as i told folks on multiple platforms uh, immediately drop your prices to your min rate. And, and then some of the responses were, well, what, what is my min rate, right? It, is it what Price Labs gave me or Wheelhouse gave me, or is it what everybody else in Airbnb is pricing at? And that, that's just not the right answer. Yeah. yeah. Now, it, um, what's the craziest part of it is it just, I mean, I've never seen this, of course, we, no one's ever, this is like, no one's ever seen this before. It immediately, COVID-19 erased all the holidays and it erased every single big event. It, it destroyed March madness. Now, funny thing about March madness is cause, um, I was listening to another pod, a business podcast and this guy, he said he, his, his, his buddy owns like 150 bars and I don't know, let's say Chicago, I forgot what city, but he said, um, he said his income from March madness is, um, it makes up for 50% of his bars revenue for the entire year. I was like, holy crap. That's how important March Madness is to bars. Because if you think about it, it's like a Super Bowl every day for a month. You know what I'm saying? It's like everybody's going, everybody's cheering on their teams, got their brackets and stuff. It's like March Madness was made up for 50% of his bars revenue for the entire year, man. So this thing just wiped out everything. It's insane. Imagine that. March Madness. (laughs) Think about it. The NBA. Man. Dang. Okay. What were you and then how did you feel? I mean, was that was that the biggest shock when you when you thought, uh oh, we're in trouble when you heard that the NBA was canceled? 
You know, honestly, it was because I had this discussion with with one of my business partners, and I, I think we were all just sort of mellow with everything. And and when the NBA canceled the season, it was almost like you saw the domino just fall because they put pressure on every other major organization across the country to to follow their lead. And and again, they they packed venues every night for what a hundred and some odd days out of uh, out of a year, right? That that was pretty huge. So so we knew that the, the tides were going to turn once once they canceled the uh, the rest of their season. It was surreal. I remember because that night, I think we did a podcast, me and Micah, and we were with Jasper Rivers. You know Jasper from the Get Paid for Your Pad. Right. Okay, we did a podcast with him, and at, at the very end of the podcast, uh, Micah announced that the NBA just canceled their season. We're like, oh, snap. And um, <laughs> so we finished the podcast, and I went downstairs, hang out, and um, watched the end of a hockey game. And, and, and it, the, even the hockey game seemed, sur- seemed so surreal because the guys, the broadcasters were like, oh, you know, the, yeah, the NBA just canceled their season. Um uh, NHL's, you know, saying that they're going to report on something after, you know, tomorrow and blah, blah, blah. They're still playing hockey out there. They're still fans filled up in the arena. And then right after the game, they just start asking the hockey players about, are y'all going to cancel the season? Do you know this? <laughs> it's like that was, and that was it. That was the last game to play. And then they canceled their season like the next day or the day after. And then it, yeah. like you said, just dominoes. And I was like, holy crap, this has never happened. And no. uh, it's insane, no. man. And I just um, we ask hard hitting questions here, I guess. <laughs> so, and and you and you, and you set up your business like okay these long leases, and so you could do the turnkey thing. And so, um, just a lot of stuff's gonna come out of this, especially ways to protect your business. How what steps did you do to protect your business? Did you like for example, did you put each lease under its own LLC, or is it all under one blanket thing under your company's name? Or how? And so you can kind of get out you know, without very much damage done to you or how does this work? Yeah. So, so each lease they're, they're under, uh, your space, but, but we also have a subsidiary LLC that, uh, that handles, uh, most of the management, some aspects of the consultation and some other parts of, of the business. Uh, but, but for each investor that comes in, uh, depending upon, on the year, they all go into a separate entity. That, that gets set up uh, specifically for them. And that, that has more to do with taxes than, than anything else. But, but what it does, at least from, from an investment standpoint, it creates several layers uh, more specifically for the investor since they're two levels down in the investment. Uh, so so if, we do, if we do default on, on one of their investments, then uh, there'll, there'll be little liability for, uh, for our investors to take on. Okay, so you set it up pretty good then. Okay, so I guess my my next question was okay. That's how you that's how y'all did it before the COVID. What lessons have you learned? I know you're still in it. You're still in the fight. You're still battling. I hope to <laughs> hope to God this thing clears out in a few weeks and you're back to business as usual. But if it don't and you got to make some tough decisions, what would you have learned from from this? And how would you have set up your business differently? I think uh, I think from a marketing standpoint, it would be taking on only properties that uh, we were surefire that they were uh, able to to operate 
holistically in a sharing economy. And, and an example would be, uh, I'll come back to the property in Somerville. It's a, it's a four bedroom, 3,800 square foot home with, with a huge, uh, huge backyard, which, which means uh, that property has the capacity to, to operate on just about every sharing economy platform that exists. And we host uh, weddings and large dinner parties. So, so understanding that, and as I was alluding to the calendar and its, its minimal impacts in, in Somerville is the, the strength of that home is its ability to operate in a sharing economy. And though we've had cancellations from Airbnb, we've still got some major events that are still on the calendar from, from folks that are, uh, that are getting married and, and they're paying some big, big bucks to, to do that. So, so that would be the look uh, for each property to make sure that it had some capacity to operate in the sharing economy and, and the potential to host some type of unique event. Yeah. Okay. And um, as far as setting it up in a, in a legal aspect, would you do anything, anything different in that front? No, cause it's really not impact. And I think the, the biggest thing for us is, is protection of, of the investors when, when they come in and, you know, we, we want everything uh, that could potentially happen to, to happen between your space and, and the owner or their entity and, and not the, uh, the investors. That's cool. So you're like, you're like the opposite of Airbnb then, right? <laughs> you, you want to say that? <laughs> Airbnb don't care about us. <laughs> uh, that's funny. But that's cool, man. <laughs> And um, okay, what about length of leases? Would you reconsider your long ass, long real long leases? No, be, because because it does provide us with a unique opportunity to to, uh, to to leverage right the length of a lease agreement to to provide turnkey efforts again for three of the five years to to investors, which then allows us to 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 regain control of the property and and either continue to Airbnb it or we just start the process all over again and bring another investor into, into that investment. So I, I think with that structure being in place, it's provided us a unique opportunity to, to carve a niche in the market uh, for turnkey efforts. Uh, and it's, it's provided uh, a source of additional income uh, also in, in, a, in a way that uh, we charge folks up front uh, a set price uh, to get into the investment and then we keep 10 to 15% of, of the gross uh, profits from every guest for the duration of, of that lease agreement. So uh, the, the way I see it, right, uh, you, you get a loan from the bank and they, they charge you uh, 4%. Uh, I'm, I'm getting up to 15% for being a co-host uh, and, and a property manager. So it, it sounds like a pretty good deal to me. So, okay, so you're getting longer leases. So are you negotiating cheap, uh, lower monthly payments with that uh, lease? <laughs> absolutely. So, okay. and so, so as, I, as I call it, right, so, so we leverage the terms of the deal, right, to get the, the terms and, and the timeline we want. So, so typically that conversation sounds like if, if we offer you a three-year lease agreement, we're going to consider uh, – $25 or so off the lease agreement, reduce the carry deposit and our standard, hey, we want at least 30 days from uh, our verbal agreement before we, we take on 
on a, on the lease. If we go out to five years, then that goes anywhere from $25 to $100, depending upon the, the price range or what they're asking for. And no security deposit <clears throat> to go along with that. So, so nine times out of 10, uh, we get the terms we want. And the reason why is because, uh, in as simple as we see it, all homeowners have uh, rental and tenant inefficiencies and, and where you can help either a homeowner or investor stabilize their property or investment, uh, it, it becomes a win-win uh, for, for everybody. So, so homeowners will typically take lower rent and, and they'll take a 30, in some cases, 45-day delay to start the lease agreement to pick up a five-year uh, lease agreement on a property. So also, since, and this is another thing I would say, which is good, since you're getting the three month, three years, and this is definitely towards the fans when this comment, with you getting that below market rent, when times like this hit, it's not hitting you as hard because you already have it at a lower price rent. And like the people who just go grab these arbitrages and they're getting the market rent right there where the market is, man, it's a hard thing to, you know, bounce back from. So. Yeah, man. And, and I think part of that too becomes like the, the, these become relationships that we establish with with homeowners. And mm-hmm. in some cases, it's a it's a lengthy discussion because folks want to kind of know what you're doing and and they want to ensure that the property is going to be taken care of. But but it allows you to come back and have that adult conversation in in times like this where you've been doing right by them. Uh, they've had no issues. They've been able to inspect the property. They're they're log, they're logged into the August Smart Lock. They're logged into the security system. They can see all the activity. Mm-hmm. Uh, then you can, you can have an adult discussion about uh, about taking on you know some of the the, the impacts of a COVID nineteen and and the property's inability to to produce income. So going back to analogies, sports analogies. Would you consider if if we're playing football here? Would you consider that your team is down like forty to nothing right now in the second quarter, third quarter, and <laughs> and no, you think you you think you're uh, closer to that, closer to that, closer to the score? Yeah, and and, and the reason why is right. We'll, we'll keep coming back to the shared economy discussion and and having the ability with properties to bring in more than one stream of income, and 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 then in reality, you'll have some properties that. Uh, do well enough to to help support uh, uh, other efforts. And now, if, okay, so let's say you're you consider yourself. Would you consider yourself tied right now? Maybe twenty twenty right no. now. Twenty twenty five twenty five. Are you a little bit behind? Uh, yeah, I, I'd say okay. we, you know everybody's behind in some in some capacity. Right, we, right. We we bled over forty or so cancellations in the first seventy two hours. So that mm. that wasn't pretty. that's that's man that's the story of everybody right now um okay that being said you're behind and now do you now do you um i'd I'd like do you do you follow soccer at all i do i you know i'm a sports fan so okay cool i can follow you you know how a lot of your a lot of european championships you know they do like a, a two the championship game they do a two game aggregate of goals, you know what I'm saying? Right. So one, one, well, the first game will be at the, at w- one of the stadiums of the, of the you know, of the, of the teams. And, you know, let's say the game goes, it's three to three. The second game, you know, whoever, whoever wins that one's going to win. It just, they just add up the goals from the two games. 
I know I'm meandering here, but this is what this is what I'm trying to get at. Do you see this as like the first game? You're down three to one or something like that. Are you playing defense to just stop the bleeding so you can give yourself a chance for the second game? You know what I'm saying? So you can go to their stadium and hopefully get the two or three goals you need to to pass them. And you're just playing defense mode right now. I like that analogy. I have something to say about that too. Go ahead though. Right. And that that's the pricing discussion, right? That yeah. that's frontline defense is is understanding pricing and and understanding it enough to to not only immediately drop to to your min rate, but then in theory, in some cases, I I will take uh, below min rate to to take a fifty dollar loss versus take an uh, an occupancy at base rate and and lose five hundred dollars for the rest of the month. So, so yes, defense, first line defense is pricing. And then second line defense is, is pivoting uh, the, the marketing strategy for properties location dependent, uh, whether it's local travel nurses or, or other uh, short-term rental and shared economy service sites. And, and to bring it, my analogy all the way back around. So mm-hmm. there's no, you're, by, by, by saying that there's no offense looking to be played right now, are you not, actively searching for more rentals, even though it could be like some great deals to be had right now. <laughs> I, I just, uh, just opened another one uh, as COVID was, was, was taken, but, but this, it, it was already in the works for, oh. for, uh, for a month or so. Uh, but we, we did a remote setup and, and the, it was finished last Sunday to be exact. We took in the, we took in the first guest on, uh, I think, somewhere around Tuesday uh, this week. So, nice, nice. Yeah. And I, I, I'm asking these because, I mean, for selfish reasons too, but because I, I had some things in the works too going on. And, um, but like for our for our our fans out there, our listeners, because what they're like, they're wondering what the hell should we do right now? You know, play defense, play defense, play defense, play, go for these. Oh, this is like a great deal. I can get this badass condo for like 1100 a month, you know, right there in downtown. But I mean, should they, I mean, that's like, like I guess it, it, the, the question is different for everybody, but um, should, what would you suggest play more defense right now and see how this pans out or take some, you know, take some bombs down the field. Yeah, I, I think it all depends on the, the financial position. And, and if they've got something to underwrite the risk, then I'd certainly say take it because you're going to find opportunity in, in a market like this during a downturn. But, but for everybody else, I, I would certainly tell them, hey, st- steer clear of taking on any more risk uh, right now, especially if you're in a market uh, that, that you don't have an immediate outlet. Like there, there's not a, a major hospital or two that – you're going to be guaranteed there's going to be an influx of travel nurses and medical professionals once the government enacts the, uh, the, the next piece of legislation that's going to uh, start flooding cities with, uh, with medical professionals. Uh, mm. See, and, and that's why I liked Steve's analogy. It was like, are you playing for this quarter or this quarter? Like, you know what I mean? Or get that home field to take one on their field. See, because I don't think – and then maybe you guys can chime in on this. I don't think we've felt the full brunt of this yet. I think we're going to really feel the brunt when all of this passes over. Because I was saying yesterday, I'm like, we're in the middle of a tornado. In the middle of a tornado, you get under the stairs and you hide, right? After the tornado passes, you come out and you see all the damage. Uh, I don't know if 
I don't know if we're at the hardest point yet because people are going to lose their jobs. Like people are losing jobs right now. Uh, you might have to downsize. You're going to start getting them calls from your tenants. Hey, man, I lost my job. So how do y'all feel like – do you feel like we felt the true brunt of, of what's going on with this COVID-19? Uh, you know, I, I, I look at this, and this is based on my experience. It, it's all market dependent, right? Okay. I, I tell you that St. Pete, Tampa, Panama City, I worry, but I don't have a huge worry, right? They, they've withstood all of the immediate impacts of – of COVID-19, whereas in, in other markets, uh, like, like an enterprise and, and here in Columbus, uh, the calendars have been completely white, mm -hmm. right? So, so the strategies in each market uh, will, will differentiate mm -hmm. based, on, based on some of the immediate impacts. And, and, and with the bans in place and, and in a market like Columbus, military graduations, families coming in eight or 10, 12 deep, uh, has been the, the backbone of this market, and they've canceled all of those. I don't have local travelers in this market. So what that means is that th this is a market that has to pivot to, to a different demographic of, of traveler to, uh, to survive and be successful, uh, unlike other markets. So, so it's market dependent in, in my opinion, but, uh, you know, strategies have to have to change. Have you heard out there in the streets anything about the COVID nineteen Airbnb scam going around from the from guests? You know, you heard any any of those rumors? No, no. About uh, about for example, someone will rent your place for like a day or two, and all of a sudden, when they get there, announce, "Hey, I just found out I got COVID nineteen. I got a quarantine for fourteen days, uh, so I got to stay here. I you know I can't pay you, but." You know, <laughs> You heard of that? I've heard of that. I don't know if it's you know, real, but I've heard that scam going around. What What do you do if that actually happened? What do you do? You gonna go get him out yourself? No one's gonna want to touch that dude. If you got that strict cancellation policy, he' about to pay you. No, but if he's there and he's like, "I'm gonna just hold up here. Come get me if you want to take me out of here." What do you do in that situation? Keep a gangsta on payroll. <laughs> As my friend Carter Carter said, <laughs> no, but go ahead, man. How would you handle that? Yeah, I, honestly, I don't, I don't know. Uh, you know, I, I, I think the first, uh, first approach, obviously, Airbnb involved, and then the local authorities uh, to, to just get them abreast on, on what's going on. But you know, I, honestly, at this point, uh, I'd probably just let them stay uh for uh for 14 days and look the, the way some of the calendars look at it, it, it may be vacant anyway right so <laughs> damn so there there may not be an impact and and again it may be location dependent if, if it was somewhere where, where i still had folks actively coming in I, i'd probably uh, go up there myself but uh <laughs> mm. yeah that, that's that's a tough one right and uh, uh hopefully it's not happening uh that that'd be a sick uh a sick game uh well, there's a lot of sick people out there, man. Yeah. One thing that I was afraid of when I'm, I'm on my end and I'm afraid of, it's similar to that, but not really, is, okay, so Airbnb's giving away free cancellations. My whole thing with that was those, one thing that scared me was I, ha I do have a couple of long-term people coming in here shortly. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, are they allowing you to cancel after you've checked in? That's one thing. I was like, hold on. I, I wanted to get the air cleared about which I still haven't. Have you experienced that yet? Or 
No, the closest I've had was actually today. A okay. guy was supposed to check in. He was driving up from Miami. He was halfway in Ocala, Florida, and he called to uh, to cancel because he was driving up with his 92-year-old mother. I think the pastor of his son's wedding, which they were coming in town for, was diagnosed with uh, with the coronavirus. So so mom's freaking out. He canceled, and Airbnb immediately called me to ask if if I wanted to issue a full refund. So based on that, I think you, you would have final say in into issue based on uh, the, the day of check-in or or afterwards. Now, do you, um, Alvin? Do you what's I'm gonna call it? You thought of utilizing something like, um, well, either either telling the guests that, hey, you know, would you would you like to rebook? I mean, would you like to? You know, we can move you to like um, September, October, November. I don't know. Do you, you have you offered that to guests? It it depends on the the reason that they they booked. Some some folks were booking specifically for events that were happening, uh, and and if if they canceled based on that, then uh, we, we just simply said, hey. Uh, think about us when 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 they re reschedule your event. Uh, for others that just canceled due to fears or concerns, uh, we we did offer in some cases to to push their reservation later on uh, into the to the year and and at a discounted price, ten fifteen percent, something like that. Okay, and we heard I heard this cool cool ass tip from our from our buddy friend of the show Jay Massey, and and um, he said that. He mentioned gift cards. Have you heard that mm-hmm. tactic? Offer the guests, okay, I can't give you a full refund, but you know what? I'm going to give you this gift card. At least that buys you time. I know they might cash it in in the future, but hopefully everything's back to normal by then when they start cashing in these gift cards. I mean, has that crossed your mind? Well, not in this case because anyone that cancels right now, they're, they're going to send you the standard COVID message that, that you, you, you guys have seen. And, and we, we have no choice. Uh, we, we are up against a wall. I guess I meant if they hit you up first before they went to Airbnb and said, you know, whatever. I don't know. Just, just ideas. No, I, I honestly haven't. I've, I've never employed or used uh, gift cards in that in that manner. Uh, but we've offered them before to to some guests. But but that all depends upon how much money they they spent. Okay. Yeah. I guess. I guess they said. I guess what Jay was saying that there's websites that you could get gift cards, like I guess with your own logo on it or whatever, and you don't have to pay until you know they cash it in. You know what nice. I'm saying? So it kind of delays the hit that you're gonna take a little bit. I don't know. Yeah. Not not a bad idea. Yeah. So, what does the <laughs> what does the future hold for you and your business, man? I know it's hard to predict, but what what do you got going on? So, so short term, uh, we, we started to pivot uh, a lot towards our partner host program, uh, and and that program differs from what uh, we see in a co-host. Uh, as, as we see a co-host help you manage uh, partner hosts, uh, we want to work with hosts to to help them grow a business, and and this gets back to that discussion that that we had earlier about, about pricing and, and, and really the, the center of gravity and it becomes, we want to talk to folks that are interested in growing a business and, and consult, uh, manage their property and, and provide them not only with uh, uh, professional pricing tools, uh, but, but also 
a unique tax perspective and, and look and helping them understand uh, what their investment means from a tax perspective when you start to talk about uh, the, the ability to to write off 100% of your expenses uh, for, for short-term rentals. And what does that mean uh, when you take ordinary expenses and then understand how to tie them to, to the business, right? So, so this, it really becomes about uh, growing a business uh, with, with respect to that. So, so that's sort of near term and then working on some, some course content and, and we're going to uh, host if things die up uh, a, a short term rental. Uh, I don't typically like to use the word summit, but it, it's going to be a Charleston summer experience uh, that we'll host at, at the property in Somerville. And it'll be a, a three day event that we, we, we move through downtown Charleston and in the home and, and take guests through uh, a number of, of workshops, all sort of centered on operating in, in the sharing economy as a whole, looking at all the different aspects and, and resources that exist from, from that property. Um, and then long-term, really the goal is to get into some type of consultation uh, with, with respect to sharing economy and and starting to to leverage some of the experience and and tools that we we built to uh, to talk to folks. I, I I love how your business is set up. And if we're gonna keep going on sports analogies, I feel I I look at it like okay, you're a hockey team, right? And you know when they they get penalties, they take their guys off the ice, right? Put them in the penalty box. And so I see you as your team. Three guys got freaking penalties. They're off the ice. You're defending the goal with two guys and a goalie. They got all five of their guys. You're just trying to keep that puck out of the goal. And you know in time your guys are going to come back on the ice and you're going to be back on the offensive. And so I, I like how that – I like how it's going to play out for you because, I mean, you're, 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 still, um, you're still learning. You're still, you're still trying to, you know, fine-tune your business. And I think – a lot of people, a lot of competitors are going to fall out of this thing and you're going to be right there waiting, you know, to cash, uh, to score some goals, man, lots of goals. <laughs> so I think it's going to be, the future is going to be good for, for guys like you guys like us that are sticking to it, no matter what, thin and thick and thin, all these hobbyist Airbnbers, they're going to be gone. They're going to be gone by the wayside. A lot of people get, a lot of these gurus are going to go bankrupt. You know what I'm saying? And so, um, so yeah, <laughs> I think you're playing some, some, some good solid defense right now. You guys will be back on the ice soon and you'll be back at full strength and ready to score some goals, man. Yeah, certainly. You, you know, what's funny about that. I had this discussion with, uh, with one of my business partners about the, the impacts and you, you can just, you, you log onto any Facebook page that, that that's centered around Airbnb. And, and the topic of the day is, is what, what's Airbnb, what Airbnb is doing to, to us uh, in terms of not compensating for, for cancellations. And, and you can just see the impacts it's starting to have. And, and one, uh, what's going to come out of it, folks are going to lose confidence in, in Airbnb's ability to, to have their backs. Uh, but on the other side of it, to, to your point, what's going to happen is, and this has been happening, Airbnb has been looking to professionalize their brand. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that move, or, or rather what's happening now, will, will aid that because you're going to inevitably have folks fall out the market that, that couldn't survive a one or two month, uh, uh, no bookings mm-hmm. or limited bookings. 
and it, they'll, they'll fall out in those that have in some capacity built uh, a professional infrastructure to their business, uh, they're going to figure out ways how, how to survive. And then you'll see a more competitive marketplace surrounding or uh, surrounded by uh, offering more professional services. Uh, and then, and then let's get into the shared economy discussion, right? Uh, to, to, to bring it to another level. So, so you're absolutely right. I, I agree. I, I think it's going to, uh, it's it's going to pass, but but the impacts that that it has on a lot of folks will be twofold. Again, one, they're going to lose confidence and not want to come back, uh, which which is fine for us, right? Uh, and then and then two, it, the, the professional professionalization of, of Airbnb's marketplace. You know, with them entering into the hospitality fold full on, they're going to take on a lot of the regulatory guidance and steps of the hospitality industry. Uh, and, and that's going to filter down to to every host on on the platform. Yeah, man. It, 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 and I was I was thinking I was talking to Steve about it. I was like, man, that that way that way of like normal hosting, man, it's about to die off in this situation. Like, if you just said if you can't survive one or two months with low bookings, man, you you were in the wrong business to begin with. But you know, it just really checks people's balance sheet, puts people in check, and shows them it will be some that are in that situation but bounce back harder. But I mean, it's a tough situation, but I think, you know, the strong are going to be – it's going to be more competitive after all this. The competition's about to be you, – you're going to be competing with the best, you know. Yeah, it'd be like the Saints playing the Saints, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a Saints speaking, fan, huh? Speaking of sports analogies. <laughs> you're a Saints fan, huh? Who that? Yeah, uh, see? Oh, man, you from New Orleans? <laughs> yes, sir. Oh, okay. I don't. I'm not a Saints fan. I'm an LSU <laughs> fan, though. But yeah, that's where our home homegirls Kim and Ed. I'm listening. Yeah. Um, you said you spend time in um, Charleston, right? Yeah, we, we've got a. I've got a place there, and in, in Somerville, to be exact. And okay. Had a had another place in Charleston that closed up about uh, four or five months ago. Yeah. You ever run into Bill Murray? No. <laughs> <laughs> He spends a lot of time there, right? The uh, baseball team there. So, so I've heard. Yeah, no, man, um, this is cool. It, you know, it, it's funny because like when you start getting into the business talk and everything, I, I kind of like always, I forget a little bit about COVID nineteen, and I'm like, wow, this is <laughs> we're just we're just doing a regular business interview, and then I'm like, then it creeps back into the conversation. You know, it's it's definitely a changed world, but I think what you're doing is so unique. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna be successful. You know, when this turns around, you're gonna be right there, poised to really, really do some good, some big things. Yeah, that was this is a good app, man. I'm loving like it. Really hit me with all those share economy things you're using, man. You you you're more than an Airbnb, and that's what I tell people, man. Be more than an Airbnb host. Be a short term rental business owner, and you definitely took it to the next level, man. Yeah, you got to build your squad with the right players, right? Yes, sir. That's it. Build a team. <laughs> hey, hey, except for Kevin Durant. He's got the, the COVID right now. <laughs> and the Saints coach does too, Sean Payton. Yeah, Sean he's got – oh, my oh, – man. Yeah, he was, he was diagnosed, so he, he's, he's home with his puppy hanging out. Oh, well. Man, it's crazy. It's craziness. It's all gonna wash away. It's got everything's gonna be okay, man. Everything's gonna be okay. Yeah. So, well, thank. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, well, thanks for hopping on, Alvin. Man, we, we, yeah, we, we, you gave us a wealth of information. And uh, how, where can where can folks find you? And, and hopefully, you know, after this, it's all clear. Get a spot. Get a spot for you know for a turnkey place of their own Airbnb from you. 
There you go. Yeah. So, so visit uh, www.yourspacestr.com. Uh, you can also find uh, YouTube, uh, Instagram with the same handles, uh, Your Space STR. Uh, and on Facebook, we've got a, a Facebook group that's dedicated to investors. Uh, not, not a lot of Airbnb day to day talk, but, but for investments only as turnkey efforts come open. The name of that Facebook group is called Creating Airbnb and Sharing Economy Investors. And, and again, it's, it's, it's strictly focused on uh, bringing investments in and, and to, to the table for, for investors that are interested. Now, I um, thank you for that. And now I, I was telling Micah last week I, I, I gave up you know, I'm, I'm doing a social media detox. It just got too crazy on social media, man. It was just bad. I took it off my phone, took off Instagram, took off Facebook this wow. week, this week. I just, I took off the news, the news sites I had on my phone. Cause I was just staring at the news all freaking day, getting depressed. And so are there things you're doing right now to like not be so depressed over this crap? No. Well, I have a full-time job in the U S army. Oh, most of my time is occupied between that and, you know, a family here with, with wife and kids and, and everything that's going on. So, so there, there's enough distraction to, uh, to limit my, uh, my, my time on, on TV or social media for that matter. Man said, I got shit to do. I can't really worry about all that. <laughs> <laughs> now, now that you mentioned you're in the army, you can, you can go ahead and tell us, you know, off the record, are they going to start implementing martial law really soon, man? You can let us know. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, we're, uh, we're not to that point yet. Oh, yeah. thank God. Well, thanks for hopping on, man. We appreciate it. Thank you for serving, you know, thank you for serving our country and, and all you do for My us. Honor. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we hope to connect with you soon. Maybe in a few months after all this passes, we'll reconnect and, and yeah, you'll be kicking some ass and we'll be, yeah, we'll all be living it up. Yes, sir. <laughs> well, thank you guys for having me on. Thank you I for coming it. on. And so, man, that was Alvin. He killed it. And be sure to follow Live, Let, Thrive on IG, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, wherever you listen to podcasts. Appreciate the love. Thanks for being listeners. Drop us a review and drop a subscribe on YouTube. Yeah, man, that was a really good app. Thank Alvin for coming on. Great show. We'll be back at it again with more COVID COVID updates next week. Peace. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Live, Let, Thrive. Be sure to tune in next week for all the latest in the world of Airbnb and all that entails. Bye-bye.